What are the mistakes, though, people make when starting a business? So we could probably do a whole show on mistakes, right? Because we all make them. Let's talk about your perspective on failure. I think everything's a learning opportunity. So I think we change that word failure and we get it out of our vocabulary. We talk about experimenting. All right, all right, all right. We're going to get to all of that in just a moment. But first, I want you to know how grateful I am for today's podcast sponsor, my friends at FitAF Nutrition. They are Eastern Pennsylvania's leading meal prep company. FitAF offers meals of multiple sizes for people with various health goals. And you know what I love about this company? They use high-quality ingredients like grass-fed meats, wild fish, and locally harvested produce. And all right, for you parents on the go, they even offer family meals. It's easy to order. Go to fitafnutrition.com, place your order by midnight, and get fresh, prepared meals delivered right to your door on Sunday. Use code LECKY at checkout to get 20% off your first order. Here we go, buddy. It's the Ryan Leckie Show. Hey, what's going on, fam? And welcome back to another episode of the Ryan Leckie Show. Look, if you are innovative, creative, you ever wanted to go shoot your shot and launch your own business, and you're like, oh my gosh, where do I start? What's the help that's out there? This podcast is for you because the guy on the couch today, the one and only Don Webster, you have decades of experience helping entrepreneurs launch sort of their dream business, but you also work with an amazing nonprofit organization known as tech bridge that we're going to dive into that really helps people do this and something else that's super cool you're gearing up for a business plan competition that you do yearly and we like to say it was like shark tank before shark tank was cool there we go all right you ready for this absolutely all right and i'm sure this guy's gonna pepper me with some questions we too. got a few we got yeah a few. all right so let's dive into it first of all how did you get into the role with tech bridge and exactly what is this organization all about and how does it help a lot of people in northeastern pennsylvania okay so first of all thank you for inviting me today ryan um not sure you have enough energy going here, so we have to raise the energy. I'm up jacked. A bit, I'm right? ready to go. Here we go. So, uh, TechBridge is a regional economic development organization. What does that mean? It means that our goal is really to help people in Northeast PA. Where we specialize is with entrepreneurs and we focus on innovation. So we like to work with students, we like to work with aspiring entrepreneurs, we like to work with people who have ideas, who have passions, like you, who want to go build their dreams and we help them get where they need to be and be the best versions of themselves. That's kind of what we do. And one way you do that is through the business plan competition, which we're going to pull back the curtain on that, how people can get involved, the help sure. that's out there and available. Because I think that's what really holds up a lot of entrepreneurs where they have this idea and then they're like, I don't what know do I do? start. How right. do I begin? Right. 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 So how did you get involved? Sort of take me through your career path because you weren't always a part of tech bridge, so to speak. Right. You were with it since its inception. You right. left, you came back. But where did your career start? So uh, I'm not a native of Northeast PA. Actually, I we my family and I moved here as part of the NatWest relocation back in 95, which was actually at the time the largest corporate relocation in the nation. Um, we were going to Montage Mountain, and uh, we had an opportunity to come here and be part of that. I was the leader of the organization. Three weeks after my family moved here, they sold the bank in the UK. So what do you do with that? Well, um, we decided that we really liked it here. And so we wanted to stay and be part of this place. And so we started the first of four businesses. So that's that's sort of how I got here. That's how I'm, I'm sort of part of, of the community. Um, but TechBridge actually started in right before the turn of the century with Bill Scranton and the, the Wilkes-Barre Chamber and Can Do and the Scranton Chamber, they all came together. And it's really interesting when you think about it. I asked Bill one time, I said, I said, why did you guys do this? And he said, well, 
you know, it, it just, it struck us that there was this thing called the internet coming and, and this was before the internet and, and why not Northeast Pennsylvania in terms of an opportunity to leverage knowledge as opposed to a lot of the physical assets that we traditionally leverage or take advantage of in the history of our community. So they really wanted to focus on giving people an opportunity from a knowledge perspective. And so that's how TechBridge got started. It was called Great Valley when they first put it together. And we've evolved ever since. And what are the types of businesses that TechBridge works with? Because is there a misconception that it's only technology and you have to be like computer programmers for us to help you? Yeah, that's a really great question. So so the, the name of the organization, TechBridge, sort of suggests that we're trying to connect those who are interested in building technology businesses, which we clearly are. But you know what? We're really interested in those who want to explore knowledge-based businesses. And knowledge can be anything as it relates to um, food trucks or professional services or actually building things or, or doing software or doing technology. So it's really about building, it's about connecting, and it's about growing opportunities in the region. All right. And as we start getting closer to the business plan competition, because I do want to unpack that, there's a lot around it. It could help sure. a lot of people who have this vision, this dream, and they want to learn how to execute it and where do they start. I guess when we look at entrepreneurs and people who have ideas, what is the initial holdup that you see in your experience? I mean, like more than 20 years you've been doing this, working with entrepreneurs, mentoring them. Where do people initially screw up? once they have the idea. And well, you know, that's, we that's a really good question. So so you were thinking about doing this for a long time, right? I wouldn't say a super long time. Maybe like, you know, when my contract in television was winding down, I was like, I think this is the next chapter. I would say probably close to two years. Right, so I, I have an answer, but I'm gonna turn this around on you. So so, sort of what held you back? What was the one, what was the one thing that held you back? You Leaving something I was comfortable doing for 21 sure. years. Yes. So, so it's sort of the fear factor, right? It's like, here, this is safe. This is known. Um, this is maybe risk-free. It, it might not be filling my bucket, but you know what? It's predictable. And so for a lot of people... I was comfortable. For a lot of people, yeah. it's, the, it's the fear of the unknown. And so what we try to do is we try to give people the opportunity to become more aware of what it takes, what's needed, what the risks are, what the realities are, what the, what the mistakes are, you know? And so what we really try to do is fill gaps and, and help people where they're at. That's a really important point, Brian. It's, it's not what we, this community wants, it's what you as someone who wants to build something wants. How do you build that? Well, you know, you have certain set of experiences and you have a certain set of, of, of life goals. How do we take those things and leverage them to take you to wherever you want to go. And we, what we really want to do is unleash the dragon because there really is quite a, quite a bit of potential in Northeast PA. I mean, we can, we can talk about all the things that aren't right, but you know what? Things aren't right in a lot of places. Let's talk about the things that are right here and let's take advantage of those opportunities. So we want to create opportunity. And I think what sums that up with TechBridge, you have a phrase, a tagline you yes, use all the time regarding Northeastern Pennsylvania That's right. and living so we, your dreams. We talk about why not us? Why not here? Why not now? Let's go. Let's not use excuses. Let's 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 see what we can do here. Let's give it a chance. And you know what? We can surround anyone here that really is passionate about an opportunity with the kinds of things they need to take the next step, whatever that is. And the next step sometimes starts with getting involved in what you guys do yearly, the business plan 
competition. When did that start and who was it for? Do you have to be in high school? Can you be an adult? So the, the business plan competition, this is the 22nd year of the competition. And so if you, if you just sort of step back for a second, it blows my mind every year. So 22 years, I mean, that's a long time for anything, right? But what's great about the business plan competition is it's, it's about the community. It's not, it's not about me, it's not about TechBridge. It's about people who come together who want to help those who are interested in exploring their idea and putting themselves out there. And so we created this opportunity to do just that and there's cash for winners. Um, one of the things that people don't understand is there's also in-kind prizes um, that are over $100,000 worth of value. So accounting services and marketing services and legal services and media services and rent. Uh, the kinds of things that entrepreneurs to get need to get started. What's interesting about that is, yay, we've had great winners. We can talk about some of the winners. It's really fun. Um, but what's really interesting are are the people that come and get things beyond the prizes. So we've had entrepreneurs who have gotten investors as a result of being in the business plan competition. We have entrepreneurs that have found customers. We have entrepreneurs that have found partners, employees. Um, they've found new jobs because you know what, what they learned is this is great, but it might not be something that's going to be able to take care of my family, but, oh, I really met this interesting person and I really like what they're doing. And you know what, I can go be part of that organization and I can be an intrapreneur or I can, I can make a difference in this community in so many different ways. Let's, let's unleash that dragon. That's what we're about. So 22 years of that. Yeah. And you know what, we've probably got... Over, if, if, I, if I did the math real quick, we probably got almost 50 different community volunteers that participate in different ways in helping these entrepreneurs. So it's a community-based competition. And at the time of this recording, right, we're nearing February 2024. Right. The business plan competition, though, for the people who are like, I have a dream, I want to get involved. You have all the information on the website. We do. But ultimately, do you target people coming out of high school, people who are miserable in their current job, and how do they actually get started to be a part of the business plan competition? Because then it kind of does play out a little bit like Shark Tank, right? Where great, you have experts kind of weigh in on who had the best business plan. Right, so, so it's a process, it's a journey. What we do is we support both. And so uh, each year, the competition deliverables are due sometime in the middle of March. So this year, I think it's the 22nd of March. So we've got plenty of time for someone who's interested in exploring. The first thing that we do is we offer entrepreneurs the opportunity to explore what they think they need. So we call those help sessions. And so anybody can participate in a help session. You don't have to be in the competition. If you have an idea and you're thinking of you want to, you want to grow this into something, we could talk about ideas versus commercialization. Well, we do help sessions. There's, a, there's one coming up in February. And so we have different subject matter experts in all sorts of different fields, for example, social media or legal or accounting or marketing or, you know, all, all sorts of different things, insurance. Um, so come and, and present your idea, tell your story, ask questions, receive questions, just create the opportunity to learn a little bit more about do you got something here? And if you got something here, why not go for it? What's the risk? Well, the risk is maybe they won't like me. Well, guess what? Maybe they will. And you know what? One of the things that we need to encourage entrepreneurs is go find out either way. 
Don't just take your idea and say, I want to start this. Go talk to people. It's the number one thing we talk about. You got to go talk to people before you spend any money. Go talk to people and see what they think. How many people do you allow in the actual business plan competition? As many as would like to enter. And who ultimately picks the winner? Because it is like a shark tank. It's it, you know, so so we started this 22 years ago, so we're older than Shark Tank. We, we do have a team that was on Shark Tank that was awarded. Uh, one of the sharks picked them. Yay. You know, shout out to to Abby Spiker at the time. So, you know what? Really, really. That interesting. was dark, dark, dark drones. drones. Yes, dark I drones. remember. Yeah. So. So, yeah, we've had we've had teams that go on Shark Tank. We've had teams that have gotten investments with venture capital. We have teams that have X'd out, you know, it's uh, pretty amazing over 20 years to watch some of the things that have happened. Um, but, you, you know, it's really, again, to answer your question, it's about just get started, right? And the people who vote, though. Oh, the ultimately. judges, sorry. Yep. So um, we, we create this process where there's, there is a high school division, there's a collegiate division, and there's a non-collegiate division. And, and it pretty much sounds like the titles, right? So essentially, high school division is for high schoolers, collegiate division is for undergraduates and graduates, and the non-collegiate division is for aspiring entrepreneurs that haven't made up to a quarter of a million dollars in their early stage business. So that last one is anything from an idea to an early stage business that isn't really off the ground, okay? So what we do is, um, I was mentioning before, we have a whole bunch of different volunteers. So we have those who work in the, in the help sessions as subject matter experts. If you're a subject matter expert, you can't be a judge, right? Because conflict of interest is really important. Um, so we have groups that are responsible for judging just in the high school division. We have another group that's involved in the collegiate division. And we have another group that's involved in the non-collegiate division. And those judges are responsible for evaluating the written submissions that come first. I think I mentioned they're doing... March. And then there are finalists in each of the divisions that come and they present their ideas in a live environment to judges. They have their presentation, then they have a Q&A, and it's an interactive process. So two pieces that go into the evaluation process. And those top ones ultimately go to a really cool event that you guys do at the FM Kirby Center in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Yes. Right? And the public gets involved and can so vote. And it's, it's that was super cool. Our team got to go to that last it, year. It's pretty neat. So, um, you asked before, anybody can apply to, to, to be in the competition, you know, assuming that you've, you're eligible according to the guidelines on the website, but they're pretty straightforward. Um, what happens in the middle of March is all of the written submissions come in, and we give the judges a week or 10 days, and they evaluate, and they score according to a rubric. The rubric's going to be on the website. You know exactly what people are going to be evaluating against. By the way, we're going to publish the results. You'll know exactly where you stand. This is all about learning, right? So we want to be completely transparent. So the way the in-person in finals work is five finalists are selected in the collegiate division. Five finalists are selected in the non-collegiate division. Then in April, they come to Misericordia, and we do a live presentation finals. Everybody gets up. Everybody pitches. Everybody answers questions. And then they, the, they all go to the awards event, which is in May. I think this year it's May 2nd, and you can register online for that. Um, and the thing that's really interesting, it's a great night of celebration. We uh, really are interested in having our, all of our high school students and our college students and their families 
and the community come to celebrate entrepreneurship and innovation. So we're celebrating. We do something that, that we're really proud of at the event. So the cocktail reception starts at five. It's at the FM Kirby Center. So for two hours, we have those 10 finalists, five from the collegiate division and five from the non-collegiate division. They each have tables. And so we think of it as their very first trade show. Remember, most of these are, are entrepreneurs. They're college teams. They're early stage companies. They're still working their idea to a commercialization strategy in most cases. They've never done a trade show. They have no idea what a trade show is. A trade show is just a wild experience of nonstop action, right? So what happens is we set up 10 tables around um, the Kirby Center and, and there's cocktails and there's food and anybody who's coming as a participant is given tech bucks. And each of the participants during the course of the reception go and talk to each of the entrepreneurs. And so the entrepreneurs are selling for two straight hours their ideas, their vision, their connection, and they're getting a chance to actually be at their very first trade show. And it's just like a fire hose for them. It is one of the gifts that we try to give, which is here, you need to connect with people. Here, you might find your next customer. You might find your next employee. You might find your next investor, but you got to connect with them. You got to get out from behind the table and you got to talk to people. And you got to know your elevator speech. And you got to talk to people. Yeah. And you got to connect. And so people vote. And whoever has the most tech bucks wins $5,000 that night. There are no judges involved in it. It's a beauty contest. It's about who of those 10 teams connects best with the people that are there. So one of the things we really enjoy is um, the fact that at 5 o'clock when we open the doors, you know how it's normally most people are like, oh, I need to be, you know, sort of professionally late because it's not cool to show up on time. We have people who are queuing up at 445 because they want to get their drink, they want to get their tech bucks, and they want to start talking to teams because they know that their votes are going to help some entrepreneur that night. It's not a bunch of judges. It's I, my vote matters, and, I re, and it, it's really great. Well, 22 years for the business plan competition. 22 years. Were there any, or do you continue to see different plans or business ideas come out, and you're like, that is genius? Well, you know, it's interesting. What sticks out to you? Well, us? you know, it's interesting because over 20 years, everything has evolved, right? You know, so at first it was um, – you know, what's my presence on the web? I've got a custom website. Well, everybody has a website now, right? That's not really considered technology. That's kind of part of your core business, right? To have a web presence or social presence, right? How do you get your message out? Um, so for a long time, it was about how do I show my business online? That was, that was, there was a strong preference for that early on. Interesting, this year, you, you might imagine, uh, there seems to be a lot of interest in sort of how am I going to leverage AI into this new opportunity because it's the wild, wild west, and I want to be part of that. Um, you know, so cyber was was part of that. You know, just the whole spectrum. If you think about sort of the evolution of of technology, there have been those sort of entrants. Um, but we've had companies that that make things. We have companies that. Um, are tech-based. We have companies. We we had a college team that uh, won a couple years ago, all Belgium from Wilkes University. It's a food truck business. They've franchised, you know, and, and what they what they tried to do is is implement ways where they want to be sort of a multi-location 
organization over time. And, and so they have different places and they need to be able to connect so that, you know, they're managing inventory and they're managing customer and, and they're leveraging infrastructure. Um, so, you know, it, it could be, could be fashion. It could be food, could be tech, could be manufacturing, could be business. It, it changes every year. And when you hear the stories of entrepreneurship, right, you said sometimes people just have the fear of getting started. Yes. Working with entrepreneurs over the past two plus decades, what are the mistakes, though, people make when starting a business? Besides maybe not getting feedback by others in the field and talking to folks. So, so we could probably do a whole show on mistakes, right, because we all make them. I think that's the, the first thing that we need to acknowledge. The, the thing that, that we notice is um, we try to encourage early stage everybody to get out of the building, get out from behind your desk. You, you really need to go create conversation with customers. And we, we talk a lot about customers. Customers are people that are going to buy your product. Maybe your, your, your brother, sister, dog are going to buy your first product, but you need to go talk to people about would they pay you for whatever service or whatever product, whatever business idea that you're getting involved with because um, that's where the rubber hits the road. And, and oftentimes what we find is that entrepreneurs don't really do a good job of gathering that critical information before they start spending money. So that can be like you just burning cash. So you really need to talk to people because they'll give you they'll give you really good insights. They'll give you thoughts that not you know they'll give you lots of opinions. You've got to be careful about opinions, but they give you data, and you can use that data to really figure out what steps do you need to take next, what gaps do you need to fill, what help do you need to look for, and that's a really important piece of the puzzle. That's probably the biggest one. There's lots of mistakes as you get into things, but you got to really you got to really talk to customers. And then the other thing is it's really uh, the, the second one I would say is entrepreneurs there's this sort of uh, misconception that entrepreneurs means that there's only one right answer and it's mine. You know, I've got this idea. It's my idea. I'm going to go make this great. You know, it's the pronouns and all that conversation I. If that's the kind of entrepreneur that you want to be, you'll probably fail. And so if you're really focused on, I'm the only one that's going to work on this, don't bother. Because what every entrepreneur learns is, this stuff's really hard. In some case, you know, it's, it's not rocket science, although it could be about rockets, right? Um, but it is business and, and connecting with people and figuring out how to deliver things in a first-class fashion that meets their needs and then support them after you sell the product and do it in a way that actually pays the bills and makes money. There's a lot of moving parts. And so what you really need, the second biggest mistake that we try to help entrepreneurs with is who, who are your trusted voices? Who, who can you go to that can give you input that doesn't want anything from you? That's a really important piece for entrepreneurs. If you have people who are saying, hey, I really want to help you. Would you give me a piece of your company? That's a red flag, right? When you're starting up, you should be talking to people that just care about you and want to see you do well. And therefore you know that their input and their feedback is trusted. Go create some trusted relationships. Go find some partners that can help you fill gaps. And go ask other people who you should talk to. Hey, Ryan, you know what? I really, I really don't know what I'm doing on the accounting front. Do you know any good accountants? Oh, yeah, you know, I just did a podcast with blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, it could be I, I, I need to build a website, but I don't really know 
who does that? Well, okay, let's go talk to the Small Business Development Center. Let's go to the, talk to the chamber. Let's go talk to TechBridge. Let's go talk to Ryan. Go, go figure out who your village is and leverage that village, and that'll help you get where you need to go. I feel a lot of people hit roadblocks because right away they're like, oh, you know, of course a lot of ideas do take money and they businesses do. to get off the ground. Right. What is your advice when it comes to starting to explore financial help, investments? Because I was amazed, too. I mean, there's a lot of counties across the state of Pennsylvania who have grant money available, yep. et cetera. Like, yep. how do you navigate that so you also don't dig yourself into a hole? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Notice that wasn't one of the first things that I said about mistakes. Yeah. So, so for me, it's about you really need to uh, think through your idea and how can you get it to a commercialization Point. When we talk about commercialization, we look at that as can you pay the bills, can you make it sustainable, and then can you make it profitable so that you can continue to invest just like all the great stuff that's going on here. Um, pay the bills and have enough money that you can then invest in yourself or your employees or your business. That's commercialization. So how do you do that from a fundraising perspective? Well, you know, there's lots of different avenues, and, and that could be a whole conversation. It's one of the things that I don't think we really do well in Northeast Pennsylvania is talk about how do you do fundraising. Um, so fundraising starts with yourself. So for most entrepreneurs, the very first question you need to ask is, do I have the capacity to spend any money on this venture? There's no right or wrong answer, but there are considerations with whatever your answer is. If you have cash and you have the ability to invest it, that gives you flexibility. If you don't have cash and you need money to get started, okay, what are my choices? Well, the first thing you do, I would, I would recommend, is look at all the programs where there's an opportunity to get grant money. Grant money is traditionally free. The thing that I will say about all fundraising, nothing's ever free. There's always going to be something that you're required to do in return for cash. And, and I think that's an important thing for entrepreneurs to understand. There's a price for everything. You have to decide if it's worth it. Ultimately, the, the ultimate price is you're going to give away your equity. There's, there's all these stages before that. So the first thing that I would say from a fundraising perspective is do your homework. The chambers have programs right now. The cities have programs right now. The counties have programs right now. The state has programs right now. You need to invest some time to see if you qualify. And again, back to that help. Can I ask somebody at the chamber? Hey, Ryan, what did you do? Hey, Don, do you know any programs that I might be able to qualify for? Go ask people and find out. And I think, too, so many different areas, right? Like based at the University of Scranton, we have the Small Business Development Absolutely. Center. And all this free help that's out there, it was incredible. If, if you're willing to look, it's probably out there. So there's that, that stage called, you know, what money can I put in? And, and you know, people look at that. If you're, if you're going to ask people for money, they're going to say, what have you put in so far? What's your skin in the game? If you don't have that ability, okay, work it, because you're going to put your time in. First layer, grants and, and awards from the chambers and and you know, go, go right up. The chamber, the county, the state, maybe the federal government. Um, sometimes there's, if you're, if you're, for example, a woman-owned business, there are, um, at the Scranton Area Foundation, opportunities to get investments to support your business there. You just, you got to look, and, and, you, and you'll find it, but if you ask. 
then it's a question about, okay, can I get um, loans? Can I get investors? These are different avenues to stack. The thing that I will tell most people is you really, the last thing you want to do is look for investor money because it's really hard. You have to have a really good uh, business plan. You have to have a really good story. And you've got to have something predictable because if people are going to give you money, they're going to want something in return. And the more risk in your idea, the more they're going to want to protect their investment because they're not doing it for free. Now, some people do, but most people don't, right? Um, but there are people in Northeast Pennsylvania that do make investments in businesses. They exist. There are angel funds. There are places like Northeast Pennsylvania Alliance that have an angel fund. You got to do the work and you got to have a good story. But if you do the work and you have a good story, you might have a chance to get that investment. And then you sort of get up to the real sort of professional investors. Most companies in Northeast Pennsylvania aren't really venture ready companies because venture ready companies are those companies that have customers that have traction and the venture capitalists want to invest in your growth. That's a misconception. So a lot of early stage companies are like, okay, I need to get, I need to get investor money. I need to get venture money. Well, to get venture money, you've got to have traction and the venture money is going to accelerate, not to build. There's a difference. Let's talk about your perspective on failure sure. in the entrepreneurial journey. Right. So um, there's lots people of- are Right? I was scared of it, right? You're thinking, oh my God, I'm gonna leave this stable career, whatever people are doing. Yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, what if I totally flop? There's, there's lots of definitions in, to, to the word failure. What's yours? I always say you have to learn from it and you can't be scared of it. Well, so usually- I don't think that was really a definition, usually, but that's usually, how I approach so, so it, right? So usually failure is negative consequences of some sort, right? And, yeah, and I they say can it's range a, the spectrum. Things could happen, and then when it comes to failure, right, you find a way to, to pivot to, I always say we still have to throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. And it's not heart surgery. We're not going to kill anybody, right? Unless you're a heart surgeon, right? Right, like, unless or, you're a heart surgeon. Or you're building a medical device. But, you, you know, uh, for us as a marketing agency production company, we're trying a lot of new stuff, right? And sometimes that means spending money to do it and to try something to go shoot our shot and maybe something other people aren't doing. But I say you have to do it. Like failures always well, so, could happen. So failure is an, an interesting word, right? Um, there's this phrase that's in a lot of business literature, fail fast. That's a screwed up phrase, like failed fast. What the hell does that mean? Um, so, so failure is one of those things where I think you have to look at it in context. And, and I think the way you articulate it is really good is like, are you going to have really bad consequences? So failure could be that it didn't happen the way I thought. Well, you didn't die, right? Did you, did you lose your house? Did you lose your friends? Did you have the, did, did you lose your money? Did you, do you not have the ability to pay your bills? Do you not have a backup plan? Well, if you don't have a contingency plan, you probably haven't done your homework right. And that's what your trusted voices will tell you. But failure is about negative consequences. I think everything's a learning opportunity. And so if you have the right group around you, you know, it's about how, how can you test? How can you learn? How can you grow? So I think we change that word failure and we get it out of our vocabulary. We talk about experimenting, right? Let's go experiment because scientists experiment every day. Scientists don't fail every day. Scientists experiment every day and they learn things. They may not learn what they expected, but that's the purpose of the experiment. So let's go see what we can do to take this idea 
and move it forward to a place where we can get customers who will pay us, who will give us the ability to pay our bills and be profitable in a way that we can grow this business into something that has a return that everybody's excited about. And coming back to what you said, trusted voices, talking to people about your business idea, connecting, getting out from behind right, the desk. Right. As the business starts to take off, what is your advice to entrepreneurs when it comes to building the right team for your company? Because uh, I've heard a lot of people who run businesses, you know, hire people who are smarter than you. Do this, do this. What's your take? I, I like to talk about the things that, that other people don't traditionally talk about, Ryan. So, so one of the things, and, I, and I, I've learned this the hard way, I'm very grateful for the support that I've had in my life. I'm very lucky. I'm very blessed. I have, I, there's no way that I could be where I am today in any part of my life if it wasn't for my wife, if it wasn't for my family, if it wasn't for my friends, if it wasn't for the people who kept me grounded, who, who made sure that um, you know, I was kind of uh, understanding what was important, because you lose that as an entrepreneur. Being an entrepreneur can be very lonely. Being an entrepreneur can be you know, long days. Like everyone's, they'll, they'll often talk about, you'll get a kick out of this, well, you know what? I'm going to trade that I don't want to work for a boss to I want to work for me. But the, money, the number of hours that you put in might go up, right? <laughs> it's like a, it's like one of the memes I saw when I was starting even my business with the entrepreneurship, right? right? It's like I left my nine to five to work 24-7. And it is. That's what you feel like when you start out. I have to say that. And I know you and I have mutual friends and people who've launched companies. And everything that a lot of those people, right? One of the people we know who owns a nutrition company, Fit AF Nutrition, sure. Jordan, a mutual friend of ours, the CEO and owner of that company. I remember when I was starting my business and talking to you and talking to him and he's like, get ready because the first six to eight months, you're going to feel like you're working around the clock and that's normal. And I did. And I feel like entrepreneurship is a totally different kind of stressor that's not for everybody. Well, you know, And that's why I think sometimes people can't handle it. it and, and I think the piece that, that if I could could offer anyone who's who's thinking about starting a business or is in the midst of trying to grow a business, you know what? Your loved ones care about you. Your loved ones are just as invested, maybe more invested in giving you this opportunity. We tend to lose sight of that sometimes. You know, when I was on Wall Street, you know, I was commuting back and forth two hours a day and, and my wife had, she was taking care of our daughters and she, you know, like I was getting home late just for the opportunity to be able to have what we have, but it was a partnership. And I think one of the things that entrepreneurs tend to lose sight of when there's so much stress is all the other people that care about them. So one, you need to acknowledge or be present enough to know that they're there even when they're not. And then to also sort of, you know, talk to them. Hey, this is what's going on. Hey, this is, this is where we're at. Um, that stuff's hard. And, and a lot of people don't do that well in part because they don't do it at all. Um, you just need to get in the, in the habit of talking to those who care about you because you might learn things or you might hear things that break through on, hey, you need a break. Hey, you're working too hard. Hey, are you sure you're okay? Hey, did you ask, the, ask your friend who understands the numbers if we're good? Like, they're not doing that to be hurtful. They're doing that because they care, right? So one thing that I really like to encourage entrepreneurs to do is to continually sort of um, revisit all those people that they need to stay connected with and um, sometimes just say, hey, thank you for being in my life. We came back to that, but I want to go back to building the team tips. Okay. Because I want to expand on that. So they are the first part of the team. That's why I started there. Yeah. 
So then the other piece is, yes, you can be a solopreneur, and there's lots of successful solopreneurs. There's also lots of entrepreneurs that run multiple businesses. You know, everyone thinks of Elon Musk and, um, you know, like, like he runs multiple businesses. It's really hard to run one business, let alone multiple businesses. The only way you can do that is with team, right? And the only way that you can really cover your bases, the only way you can really grow the pie is if you're willing to give other people opportunities to make a difference and have responsibility and get things done. Because the reality is there are only 24 hours in the day. You can't make them 25 as much as you try. And the only way you're really gonna be successful is if you have other people helping you, whether that's actually taking on responsibility or being trusted voices. And it's one of the things that investors judge is who's the team. Most people think it's about the idea. Most investors are looking at your team. And so how you find the team is a story, how you use the team is a story, what the team says in public is a story. Those are all things that are really important to an early stage entrepreneur. And I think when a company launches, right? Is there sometimes a mistake or what are your thoughts on growing too fast? And how do you help people navigate that? So growing too fast, I, get, I guess that's an interesting question. I, I sort of have to reflect on that. Um, what do you think growing too fast looks like? That's where, that's where I'll start. I'll answer your question, but what does growing too fast look like? I mean, you? even for me when I started, right? I started with you know, a few part-time employees and then you hire your first full-timer and then boom, we haven't even been open two years and we have a team of 10. Right. And you think, oh my gosh, am I rushing this? Right. Am I doing the right thing? It's working, right? And it comes back to hiring people. For me, I think of coming back to what you said about building a team who are smarter or better at certain things than I am and having people you can count on and trust. Because I always tell people, if you can't trust the people you work with, right, God, I don't want to work with those people. Right. I think something else I heard, and it wasn't me who said this, it was Gary Vaynerchuk, right, who said this, hire faster, fire faster. Right. And I learned that early on in my company that when you see rock stars, do what you can to retain them and get those people there. And Absolutely. if people aren't aligned with your goals, your vision, the workflow, and they're not keeping up, they're not for you. It's interesting when you ask me, um, what does, what, what is, is, is growing too fast a thing? Yeah. And I was worried um, about that because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm adding more people to the team. We've been open two years, but things are humming along and well, I, we're I, innovating and doing new things. The reason I hesitated is because there's so many different ways to look at that sort of question through different lenses. But, you know, in a, in a lot of cases, we're encouraging entrepreneurs to get to a product or service release as quickly as possible. And in that case, that's not growing too fast. It's getting something out there to get feedback. Now, I never want to encourage someone to put something out that doesn't work. Right. Right. That's, that's too fast. Putting it out before it's ready is too fast. Growing too fast can be that you start to lose control of things in different ways, whether it's the numbers, whether it's your message, whether it's your culture, whether it's your team. Like, like, I, I think that'd be one of the things that I really would, would want to talk to entrepreneurs about in terms of as you're starting to, to grow a business, does your culture support growth? I think growing too fast, often the first place that suffers is culture. And, and you know, I, I think we should talk about culture all the time. We don't, we don't talk about culture enough, I don't think. All right. Before we wrap up, TechBridge, the business plan competition, the website for people to get all the information is 
techbridgepa.org. Got it. And, and I think what's on there, in addition to the business plan, competition for people to get involved with the guidelines and what you guys do, you do a lot of other stuff, like within the state of Pennsylvania with, you know, helping people find places where they might be able to get, you know, I want to say tax credits. Yep. So we, so we, we help early stage companies find different funding mechanisms. Back we were talking to fundraising. Um, there are ways to leverage state programs to get new sources of revenue based on your performance that isn't necessarily net income based. It could be just based on sales. That's an example. Um, one of the things that we really um, are proud of is our innovation conference we do every summer. Um, we pick a different topic. Um, Last year was education. Last year was education. I was there. Teaser, teaser, teaser. This year it's on community transformation. So we'll be talking about that. Community transformation could be really powerful. Um, we do an annual conference for high school students around entrepreneurship. We're doing uh, some work with high school students around youth entrepreneurship credentialing. We do a lot of work with colleges and universities. So we, we got a lot of fun things going on. So you mentioned at the beginning of this before I wrap up, when you came to Northeastern Pennsylvania, had a job with the company on Montage Mountain, right? Three weeks later, the company was sold. You lost your job and you had to like pivot and innovate and everything else. And then you got involved in four businesses. What businesses are you involved with now? And when you see other businesses pop up in this area, is it tough for you not to be like, I should get involved in that? So I've been really fortunate in my career. Um, I've I had a great support team. Thanks again to my wife and my family and my friends for helping me. Um, so our, our first business was a consulting organization. We sold that to Perenny Randolph, which is now Baker Tilly. They think there's 70 people under Kim Wylam in Clark Summit now doing some great work nationally. Uh, very proud of that. We went on to um, start a software development company and sold that back to the family. And um, I have uh, an investment fund. One of the ways that companies raise funds is through angel funds. So uh, I have friends and I have an angel fund. So we do make investments in companies. Uh, we make that public. It's completely transparent. So uh, very excited about that. And, um, and then there's TechBridge. Lastly, say you weren't at TechBridge, what would be the business you would launch? It'd have to be- Blow up everything you got going on. You still have your experience. What would it be? It'd have to be something where uh, I'm helping others but nothing specific. Yeah, that's pretty wide range. I could probably find okay. something in there. Right. Helping others. I'm trying to get in your head there with that. Helping others. All right. So Don Webster, thank you so much. Is there anything you want to add before we wrap this up? I think the most important thing is when you think of TechBridge in Northeastern Pennsylvania, I think of your tagline I want people to remember, which is? Why not us? Why not here? Why not now? And I'm grateful that you took the time, um, and I'm grateful for your friendship. Appreciate you, too. All right. Thanks so much. The one and only Don Webster in the house with Tech Bridge. Appreciate you being a part of the show today, too. I'll see you Thanks, next time. Thanks, Ryan. Here we go, buddy.